When I was here in 2001, Ken was young. He had hair. He ain't listening to me. Yeah, and you could hear in 2001. That's when I met Ken Goforth. I actually knew you before then. I knew you from afar. I knew you when you were in the Kentucky Baptist Chorale. You sang, and but when I got close to you, I, I got to know you better. I did a revival in Linden, Alabama back, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. It's central Alabama, and I was telling them how old I was. It's kind of bragging, really. And this woman in the back of the church after the, at the end of the service walked up to me, and she said, well, you didn't look your age until I got close to you. G.J., <laughs> <laughs> you still look young, son. I remember when you was a little boy following your daddy around. You're doing a good job. Appreciate it. But Ken, when I got close to you, I got to know your heart. I appreciate you, man. Not only was I here with him, but then when you retired, <laughs> whatever that means, uh, we served at First Baptist Franklin, Kentucky, for over a year. I got to know him better. Uh, 48 years is a long time, isn't it? I just wonder... How many of you weren't even born when he came here? Well, stand up. How many of you weren't even born when he came? If, if, I know you can stand up. Some of the rest of you can't. But uh, look at here. Amen. Young. Church has gotten younger since I was here, Ken. Now, I ain't going to ask you before 75 because some of you can barely stand. You know, I've seen some of you all. You know, the uh, gravity's winning, is all I can say. <laughs> Y'all ain't getting that, are you? Gravity's winning. Yeah, well, uh, I'm honored to be here today. Ken, thanks, thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm honored. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12 today. When Ken came in 1975, there's been some changes, hasn't there? Huh? I remember using phones that had cords. Hmm? Some of you don't remember that. Some of you kids think of the, the phones you can put in your pocket now. And they didn't even, those weren't even invented then. Now, I'm going to really date myself a little bit here. 1975, how did you dim the lights on your car? With your foot. Some of you didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that. The dimmer switch was in the upper left-hand corner. I bought a Datsun station wagon in 1975 in Jamestown, Kentucky, and drove it back to Lexington where I was living, and I couldn't get the lights dimmed. I kept hitting the floorboard. And so I went by, I called the dealership in Jamestown and said, you all left something off this car, there ain't no dimmer switch. And they said, did you read the manual? I said, I'm a man. Why do I need to read the manual? I've been owning cars for a long time. Where's the dimmer switch? And they said, it's on the turn signal. And I said, you all are stupid. I tell you, <laughs> things have changed. There wasn't even thought about personal computers. 
I went to University of Kentucky in the School of Engineering, got out in 73, and the, 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 the computers in the University of Kentucky were mainframes. They were the size of this building. And now we got more on our phones than they had on those computers. Things have changed, hasn't they? Church practices have changed a little bit, hasn't it? Did you ever think we put words up on, up on the wall? You never thought that, did you? And you really didn't want that. I remember. <laughs> hello. Hello. I remember. He didn't say the Scarlet O'Hara is God is my witness, but it's pretty close. <laughs> but you know, Ken has had to learn to change, haven't you? Uh, choir robes. Oh, my. They were going to be in heaven. I'm telling you. When you got to heaven, the choir's going to wear robes. It's going to be matching. It's going to look right, right? And we're going to sing out of hymnals. And we weren't going to sing them praise courses, them 7-Eleven songs. What's that? Seven words, 11 times. <laughs> I mean, I figured out it's a generation thing because you all are so ADD, you can't get the words. You can't memorize the words. So you got to say them over and over and over again. Wear us out, I tell you. But I tell you, we've heard some real music today, haven't we? We've heard some real music. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for your heart, for the gospel. I called him a few weeks ago. I said, what do you want me to say today? He said, I want you to tell us about Jesus. And ever since I've known Ken up close, it's always been about Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's turn, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. I thought about... Um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you say about a man who's been in a church 48 years in the same church? But it, that's not the whole story. It ain't just in one church. He'd been faithful to his family. How long y'all been married? 54 years. And she's still working on you, right? <laughs> you ain't quite trained yet. But you're getting there. 54 years. Uh, but also he's been, he's been faithful. He's been faithful to the Lord, not just to his family, not just to this church, but he's been faithful to it. So how's he done that? You know, I'm, I, I'm, I retired from Lifeway four years ago. I haven't quit preaching yet. I, I, I just, you know, it's like Jeremiah firing my bones. I just can't, I just can't keep it in. But, but I watch people. And I want to finish well. G.J., I want to finish well. What are you, 35? I went to Zion Baptist Church in 1982. I was 31. I had an old deacon named Charlie Tilson. Come up, I looked really young. He said, how old are you, boy? I said, I'm 31 years old. He said, I got shoes 31 years old. <laughs> And he did. You got some things you can learn from this young man, right? How do you finish well? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us. I, I don't have time to go into all the, the, the details of Hebrews. But Hebrews is five sermons. It's written by a preacher. We don't know who wrote it, but it's a preacher. And there's these exhortations. As we come to chapter 12, he, he's acknowledging that there were people in the church that were, were under intense persecution and had seen a lot of changes in the culture and in their own lives. And, and some of them were thinking about quitting, thinking about dropping out. And he gives them in some 
exhortations. He gives them some encouragement. So let's, let's read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Probably my favorite verses in all the Bible. Therefore, he says, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him, endured a cross, and despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Growing weary and losing heart is so easy. But it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen suddenly. It happens gradually. A few years ago, I went to see my parents in Florida. This has been 25 years ago, actually. And when I went down there to see them, I picked up a newspaper, and they were telling about all these sinkholes that were suddenly appearing across the state of Florida. But, but, but the research showed that the reason they were appearing had been a drought in Florida in those days. And here was the quote. The sinkholes were appearing because there was the gradual depletion of the internal resources of the soil. The water was being removed. The cohesion was being removed. A void was being formed. And overnight, a sinkhole would appear. I've been in ministry 46 years, and I have seen sinkholes appear in people's lives, both ministers and people that were members of a church. You can think back to people that 20 years ago were here that aren't here today. And not because they were dead, it's because they dropped out. You see, the reason that people drop out, the reason people that grow weary, the reason that people lose heart is that it's a gradual depletion of the internal resources of their lives. They quit praying. They quit studying the Bible. They quit, they, they, they quit uh, fellowshipping. They quit sharing their faith. They quit kind of having a quiet time. They're, they quit being accountable to each other. They take their eyes off Jesus. And the next thing you know, there's this sinkhole. Their marriage fails. They get in financial trouble. Turn to drugs. No telling what but not can go forth. Thank you, brother, for not growing weary and losing heart these 48 years. Thank you. So how do you do it? How has Ken and how can you and I continue to be faithful until the Lord takes us home? Well, the author tells us. It's right here. Therefore, he says. So you stop whenever you see therefore in a text. You pause, and and the author is trying to get you to think about what he's just said. So you look back what he's just said in chapter 11. He, He gives this roll call of faith. There's all these faithful ones. And then he says, as you think back on those faithful ones, and Ken, you could think back on about faithful people that have been here at Scottsville Baptist Church. You think about those people in, in Tennessee that impacted you in the church where you grew up. They had no idea the impact you were going to have in the kingdom of God, but they had an impact on your life. 
And how many people have you impacted? Think about it. Over the years, hundreds, if not thousands of people have been impacted by the ministry of Ken Goforth. Therefore, he says, since we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, we, the way you stay in ministry, G.J., the way you stay faithful, the way you keep in the race is that you don't do it alone. What the devil wants to do is cut you out of the herd. He wants you to think that you're by yourself, that there's nobody else experiencing what you're experiencing. He wants you to, to, to get alone but the key to staying in the race of being faithful, of, of finishing well, is to do it with others, not go by yourself. See, I've got this cloud of witnesses surrounding me. I got parents that are in heaven. I got grandparents. I got Sunday school teachers. One of my Sunday school teachers died a couple of weeks ago. I went back to Somerset to attend his funeral. He impacted my life. He's in that cloud of witnesses. Just think of all the people that are in this cloud of witnesses that have gone on and that are cheering Ken Goforth on. Thousands of them. Cheering him on, cheering him on, cheering him on. Don't quit, Ken. Yeah, you got that new young preacher that don't know anything. <laughs> Hello. I'm not talking about you. But I know some of them. Hello. And the problem was they wouldn't listen to you, see. But you were cheering them on, see. People cheering you on. How do we stay in the race? We do it with other people. And then he says, listen to what he says. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. I'm going to talk about the race. And then I'm going to talk about how do you run the race. Well, the, 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 it's, in, it's an interesting Greek word here. It's the Greek word agona. It meant the marathon. It wasn't a sprint. 48 years is not a sprint. Every day, one day at a time. The race, the agony. The writer's saying, when you enter this race, you've got to realize that you're in here for the long haul. You're in it for life. You've got to run one day at a time. But you've got to realize it's not easy. The cultural changes that have happened. The changes in values, the, the, even the language that we use has changed from 48 years ago. But, but, but the race is the same. It's a race called faith. And there are no shortcuts. Thank you for not taking shortcuts. Her name was Rosie Ruiz. In 1980, she entered the Boston, Mar Boston Marathon. Nobody ever heard of her. And only elite runners win the Boston Marathon. Well, at the end of the day, Rosie Ruiz won the Boston Marathon. Well, they got to scratching around about her, and nobody knew anything about her. And what in those days there wasn't cameras, but there were people. And what Rosie Ruiz, they couldn't get anybody had seen her from mile five until a mile about to, to mile about twenty. And what she had done is after mile five, she'd dropped out of the race, got on the subway, 
killed some time, got to the other end of town, and joined the race at the 20-mile marker, and poured water all over herself, and quote, supposedly won the race. Well, of course, she didn't win it, and they stripped her of her title because she was a fake, and she was trying to take shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in the race. Thank you for not taking shortcuts, brother. Thank you for staying in the race all these years. G.J., 35. You got a long way ahead of you, brother. But we need you. There are fewer of you going into ministry than ever before. People like me and Ken and well, you ain't there yet, but you're getting there, you know. Huh? You're 35? Old? Oh, doing this. What are you, 55? Well, you look 65. I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> you, you asked for that, brother. Just sit right down front. I love Ken. Loved his mom, dad, and his family. And Ken Vincent, he's a wonderful. Uh, what was I talking about? We need you, man. We need you to finish well. We do. We need you to finish well. And you can learn. It's a race, isn't it? But it's a long race, see? and there aren't any shortcuts. And then he says, how do you, how do you run the race? Well, you've you got to travel light. <laughs> Laying aside, it's an interesting it's a tense of the verb. It means it's called reflective tense. It means there's something you've got to do yourself. So, so to stay in the race, you've got to lay some things down. Laying aside, you, you can almost see it. here. Uh, the, how ludicrous would it be? Somebody running a marathon that's got all this backpack on and you know uh, got chain, got weights around their ankles and all this. No, he's talking about getting rid of all those excess weights, all that baggage. And the way you stay in the race is you got to travel light. And how do you do that? You got to start with people. You know, you know why church is so difficult? You show up. That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for people, church would be great, wouldn't it? Somebody said, the more I know about people, the more I like my dog. <laughs> but what do we do? We bring our problems. We bring our opinions. We bring our mess. But that's what ministry is all about. When I was a young pastor, I, 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 was, I came from an engineering world. I was really structured, and I got aggravated with people interrupting my study time. And finally, an old pastor said to me, the interruptions are the ministry. You've had a bunch of interruptions. See, but you, 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 well, I've watched you. I've listened to you. And, and, and I tell you, part of what I've learned from you is to adapt. I don't know if you said it, but somebody said it. If, if, if you're chasing, always chasing what's hot and new, you'll get lost. You're like chasing the wind. You'll never catch it. You see, what you've done over the years is you've kept your eyes on the prize. You've stayed in the race. 
and you've traveled light. And what it means is you've you, you, you got to lay people down. You, people that have hurt you, people that have betrayed you, people that have said things about you, people that have, have, have failed, as it were, that didn't follow through on their commitments. Those are the people you've got to lay down at the foot of the cross. And then you've got to deal with your anger. I have decided, and this, this is on, it doesn't have to be quite a daily thing, but it helps driving in Nashville traffic. <laughs> I have decided not to be an angry old man. It's easy to get angry. It is. My tendency is to get out of my car and tell the tailgater, <laughs> get off my whatever. <laughs> I don't want to be an angry old man. I don't want to be an angry preacher. I think church ought to be about joy, don't you? I think it ought to be about uh, lifting people up. And that's what King Goforth has done these last 48 years. And then he says, then he says, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. You see, here's the deal. In the end, there is an end. You're going to die one day. For some of us, it's going to happen sooner than we can even imagine. And what are they going to say about us? You see, so whatever you want them to say about you, you need to be living it right now. Here's what I can say about King Goforth in the 20-plus years I've known him. He kept his eyes on Jesus. What do you want me to say today, Ken? I want you to tell him about Jesus, not about King Goforth. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how you finish well. Thank you for finishing well. So the question for you today is, are you in the race called faith? Have you entered the race? Have you decided to follow Jesus? And if you have, then you're not alone. Some of you may need a church family. You may need a, uh, somebody to encourage you. They have uh, uh, Bible study groups here. There's ministries that are here. There, there's, there's, there's things for children and youth and young adults and senior adults. And, and, and the church is for people just like you. But maybe you need to lay some things aside. You, and, and, and the greatest thing you need to lay aside is lay your sin at the feet of Jesus. And look to Jesus. And ask Him for forgiveness and mercy and grace. And commit day by day to stay in the race. Let's stand to our feet as we pray together. Lord, thank You for the ministry and the life and the impact that Ken Goforth has had, not only in Allen County, not only in this part of Kentucky, but across the state and beyond. 
Lord, help us to finish well. Thank you for Ken's family. Thank you for Pam who stood by him all these years. And thank you for being with them in difficult times when their daughter Joy went to be with the Lord. But thank you for these, his child, his, his daughter, and his grandchildren, and all these people that are his family, and not only his biological family, but his, his heavenly family. And Lord, thank you for his life. Lord, help us to finish well, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.